Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the wonderful words we've heard sung to you this evening. And God, as we, uh, as we open your word, Lord, speak to our hearts and minds. Give us the, the insight to hear, the courage to hear, and the, the wisdom and the insight to obey you, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. How many of you are aware of anything that's odd? Point. No, I'm teasing. Uh, we've got some things we're going to show you now that are that are pretty odd. And these first things are human disorders. And, and I'm not at all making fun of these, but these are odd. Werewolf syndrome. Have you? That, that is a true... That, that's not a fake picture. That is a, there is a true syndrome called werewolf syndrome. Some of you men go home tonight and look at your backs in the mirror. You may be developing it. I don't know. Uh, werewolf syndrome. That, that's odd, isn't it? I mean, that's a... It'd take a long time to shave, wouldn't it, if you had werewolf syndrome? Blue skin disorder. How many of you have ever heard of that? That is a real disorder. Blue skin disorder. Uh, in, in Kentucky, in the mountains in Kentucky, you probably find a lot of things, but uh, in the, the, the <laughs> mid-20th century, they found a family that through the years had, uh, had this blue skin disorder, and they were totally healthy except <laughs> their skin was blue. That, that wouldn't, to me, would not mean you were totally healthy. What about jumping Frenchman disorder? Do any of you have that? Literally, that's a jumping Frenchman's disorder. It was uh, diagnosed in French-Canadian lumberjacks about 200 years ago that that when they were startled, they would jump and scream and flay their arms and jumping Frenchman's syndrome. That's odd, isn't it? That's odd. Here's some names of some towns that are odd. Burnt Corn, Alabama. Anybody ever been to Burnt Corn? That helps the South's reputation, doesn't it? Idiotville, Oregon. I know several people born and raised there. Don't you? Do you? you yeah. Where's your? Can you imagine that? Where did you grow? Idiotville. Uh huh. I knew. So I knew. I knew. Here's the worst. Satan's Kingdom, Connecticut. That is a real. Can you imagine that? Where are you pastor? Well, First Baptist Satan's Kingdom. I mean, wouldn't that be tough? Can you imagine it? Revivals. God bless Satan's Kingdom. I mean, what a. What an odd name for it. Somebody had been drinking heavily when they said, hey, why don't we name it say, or Idiotsville? I mean, think about that. Well, 1 Corinthians 11 is odd too. The first part of it. In two weeks, we're going to look at the part on the Lord's Supper. And, and it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, the Lord's Supper party is going to be tough in a few weeks. But tonight is some passages that have been really misunderstood through the years. And uh, but there's great principles in them. And the first principle I want to share with you tonight that we get from this 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to look at verse 3 through 16, is, is that it's really not about you first and foremost. When I say you, I mean me too. What am I talking about? Well, as a Christian, life's, as a Christian, life's really not about you first and foremost. <laughs> Your relationship with God is not about you first and foremost. Do you agree with that? Church is not ultimately about me and my wants first and foremost. Now, I want to tell you, 90% of church, 95% of church problems revolve around that one issue. But this is what this strange passage, one of the things I believe it's teaching. Verse 3 through 10 
I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. And all the men said, very weak. The head of Christ is God. Now, let me pause and say, what does it mean when it says the head of Christ is God? It's talking here. Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God. It's talking about the incarnation. When he became, when he became human as the God-man, he placed himself under the authority of many humans as well as the Father. Verse 4, every man who prays or prophesied with his head covers dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It's just as though her head were shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. It is a disgrace for a woman to shave her hair or cut off or or shaved off. She should cover her head. In verse 7, a man ought not cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither man was created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason... And because of the angels, the women ought not to have a ought to have a sign of authority on her head. In verse eleven, in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man. And let's go down to verse thirteen through fifteen. Judge for yourself: Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach that? If a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for long hair is given to her as a covering. How many of you agree at first reading that's odd? I want to tell you it is odd. I've heard this mistranslated. Mis- Listen, every redneck father in the 60s and 70s used this to keep your hair short, didn't they? I guarantee you they did. And, and this, is, uh, this, is, this is strange stuff. Now, just in case to apply with the Scriptures, let's say Mary C. wants to prophesy in a moment. I have bought, brought one of my old Red Fox chewing tobacco hats up here, uh, and we will place it on her head. Mary C., if you decide to pray or prophesy, we'll put this on you. I, that is an old, old, dirty hat. I wouldn't put that on anybody. I thought that would be funny, though. I was going to make Cindy come up here and put it on her head, but I thought that would probably not go well. She would forget who the head of the house was later on tonight. What is going on in this odd passage? And folks, it's okay to read the Bible and go, you know what, that sounds really strange. Because you, you've, got, you've got 2,000 years and you've got some cultural things you've just got to, you, you've got to understand to understand these. But I'm telling you, these have been misused and misunderstood for a long time. Corinth was a very loosey-goosey place. Uh, it was Las Vegas on steroids, probably, okay? It was, um, it was metropolitan, it was educated, it was a prominent town in the, uh, the Roman Empire, but it morally, man, it was, uh, it, it was a, a loose and a wild place. And what he's talking about here, now this is very important, the predominant thing he's talking about here is public worship. What was going on in public worship? Now, it was normal in the, in the culture in Corinth, that a woman, when a woman who went out in public, she wore a veil, okay? Now, what did this veil look like? It, it was probably covered the top of her head and maybe down to right here, and, and then it, 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 
could have gone around the back to her shoulders or maybe on down, but it wasn't a covering of her face or anything like that. It was just a, it was covering her head and, and maybe the top of her forehead. And women wore these things. It, it, was, it was very common. If a, if a lady went out in public, she wore a veil. Okay, if a lady was going to be around strangers, you were having, uh, well, you wouldn't have had pool night at your house back in that day, but whatever they had, let's sit on the roof and, and drink uh, Kool-Aid night or whatever at your house. Uh, and, and there's going to be men over that your wife did not know. She would wear, she would put a, a, a veil on. It was a modesty thing. It also had another symbol uh, a symbolism to it later. And I want to read you. This is certainly not in the Bible, but it was an old Jewish rabbi saying uh, about women. It said, God did not form woman out of the head, lest she should become proud, nor out of the eyes, lest she should lust, nor out of the ear, lest she should be curious, nor out of the mouth, lest she should be talkative. Nor... Nor out of the heart, least she should be jealous. Nor out of the hand, least she should be covetous. Nor out of the foot, least she should be a, a wandering busybody. But out of the rib, which was always covered, therefore modesty should be her primary quality. And again, that's not in the Bible, but that was some of the mindset then. A married woman, listen, a married woman, and women got married. Uh, how, you girls sitting over here to my right, are, are, all of y'all are 14 and older, aren't you? Or close to it? They would be married women back in, in this time for the most part. Can you imagine that? Uh, you moms, uh, Linnea, you know, Emily and her husband will be over tonight after the synagogue uh, service. You know, they got married 13, 14, and 15. They got married young. So there was not a lot of single women. I mean, there were single little girls and there were widows. But a married woman goes out in public. She has a veil. Now, <clears throat> Two kinds of women did not wear veils in public. Uh, prostitutes, ladies of the evening, you get my picture, and, and uh, uh, some of the, the dominant lesbian women of the time did not, okay? And also, in the Roman worship of pagan gods, one of the customs were you didn't really get to lead worship or be a part of these pagan worships unless you were an elite of society, unless you had money. In other words, you probably had to buy a big sacrifice to get to do anything in the worship. And so the men who did this would wear some kind of covering, probably a hood, on their head when they would lead in the pagan worship and sacrifices. And the, and, and the, the wealthy, socially elite women who would do this would not wear a veil. So here's what's going on in Corinth. These, the people were coming into the church, and, and the men were guilty of some of this too. And when the men would get up to pray, the, the wealthy men and the ones who were more socially elite, they would put on their hoods and their coverings as kind of a way of saying, <laughs> look, look at me. And, the, and a lot of the women apparently were coming to the services without their veils on, or when they would get up to pray or to speak in the service, they were not wearing their veil, which was common, which was common among the socially elite, which may have been a way of saying, look at me, look at me, who I am, how important I am. But it was also, <laughs> it was also associated with prostitute, uh, prostitution and even with lesbianism. And so here you get this weird thing where Paul says, hey, if you're going to come and you're not going to veil your hair, 
You're not going to cover your head, ladies. Go ahead and cut your hair off and shave your head. How many of it? Does that sound like Paul's a little irritated at that point? That sounds strange. Okay, again, uh, what he's addressing was, was that a lot of the prostitutes had real short hair or they shaved their head in Corinth. That doesn't make an attractive chick, does it? I mean, not at first thought, but, but that was the way they did it. And again, the dominant woman in a lesbian relationship in this day would often have very short hair or a shaved head. And so <laughs> Paul's really coming down on them pretty hard, and he's saying, look, you want to flaunt your freedom in Christ? Well, I don't have to wear a veil in Christ to be saved and please God. Well, you, you, you didn't. But what you're doing is you're coming and you're, some of you are, you're, you're flouting your social elitism by this. And, and if you're going to go ahead and you're going to act like a harlot, <laughs> you're going to act like a sinful, per, a notorious sinner, go ahead and go all the way with it. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? But here's, here's the heart of the matter, guys. These people were saying that what I want to do is more important than how it's affecting other people. You get in the picture? These people were saying, you know, if it bothers somebody else, they can get over it. If this is, if this is affecting non-Christians, they can get over it. This is my church. And if I don't want to wear my veil, I don't have to wear my veil. And these wealthy men, if I want to cover my head, I can cover my head. And God got right in the middle of that, and he said, that is absolutely wrong. And I want to tell you, 2,000 years later, what's hurting the churches more than anything else is not what's outside, but what's inside. Me, my, 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 me, mine, ah. You following me? In verse 10, he makes another Odd statement. It is for this reason that a woman ought not to have authority over her head because of the angels. Now, is that odd? Three possibilities here with the angels. One is the word angel can be translated as messenger. And one of the common things that happened in the churches back then was that if a person was investigating Christianity and they were wealthy instead of going, they would send maybe their slave or servant to investigate and come back and report to them at like a messenger. And he may have been saying, hey, you're, you're doing this and, and the messengers, the people who are coming to investigate, are getting a bad witness. I don't really think it was that. Another option was is this was demons. And that the demons were seeing the women unveiled and they were lusting. I don't think that's the right option either. I think it's the third option. The third option is, is that in our room tonight, the angels of God are here. Is that not wonderful? How many of you believe that? Not only is Jesus Christ in this room, but the angels of God are here. And, and it's like he is saying, well, it's not like he's saying, he is saying... How you behave in church, and not just in the service, but our whole attitude about how we do church is under the observation of God and the holy angels themselves. Not only were these people hurting the name of Christ, hurting the church, hurting lost people, they were doing all this in front of God and the angels themselves. Wow. How many times 
do we as Christians, in, in every area of our life, but, but even in church, do we live in such a small circle that it's all about me? One of the, the interesting things uh, about people who climb Mount Everest, I've done it four times, it's really not that tough, uh, <laughs> is that they, you know, they are, are obviously very, very, very driven people. And there's a phenomenon that happens quite often. In 2006, it was really a marked phenomenon. But, you know, people pay a lot of money. Obviously, they train for years to be able to do this. And in, in 2006, there was a man laying not far from the peak, dying. And 40 people walked right past him and watched him die. When they were asked why later... And one of the guides who said this happens often, here was their, their thought. I paid a lot of money and I've trained for years to climb up that mountain. It's not my job to take care of that man who's dying. And that guy died. Friend, I want to tell you, climbing your mountain is not greater than saving a life. Getting your way is not more important than saving a soul. And people are going to hell all around us, and so many churches are more concerned about me, mine, I than they are the kingdom of God. See what, what he's talking about here? He's not talking about we need short hair and women need long hair. These, that wasn't the principle. That's the principle, again, that, that my father used against me as a young man growing up. I wanted to look like Charles Manson with that hair. You know, I'm t- I didn't want to be like Charles, but you know, I wanted the long hair, and Daddy wanted a Marine. Well, in the Bible it says short hair. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that, that it's not about you and me first and foremost. You, you know what the problem in most marriages are, is? Me, me, my, mine, I. We think it's them, don't we? <laughs> One of the strong principles here, not about hair length, not about putting a red man chewing tobacco hat on Mary, see if she decides to prophesy tonight. It's about realizing if you mature, and folks, most people never reach this level of maturity, by the way, but it's not about us first and foremost. It's about God and about others first, okay? Now, here's the second principle. Be submissive. And this is not just for women, this is for everybody. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of, every, uh, the, head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. I explained that a moment ago, what that meant, the head of Christ is God. And that, that's talking about the incarnation, when Jesus submitted himself to become human and become man. The head there means the leader, in verse 11 and 12, in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. In other words, we're, we're all intertwined, aren't we? Mama, you, you gave birth, many of you, to young boys. Uh, your husband may be your leader, but you brought a boy into the world. 
He says we're all intertwined together. What's he talking about here? Well, going back to this covering, this veil, not only was it a, a symbol of modesty, but it was also a way a woman showed respect to her husband and submission to her husband. Now, this doesn't make sense to us. So the principle is not the hat or the veil. The, 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 the principle is, is showing respect to the leaders in your life. Now, ladies, I want to tell you, 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 you young ladies who aren't married, in their day, to not wear a veil was a lack of modesty. It dishonored your husband. The veil showed that you were under someone's authority. Uh, a woman today who dresses uh, like a floozy, I guess is the easiest way to put it, dishonors her husband. Men, I don't know if you've got the courage to say that out loud tonight, but that's the truth. That is the truth. Unless the husband is kind of bent weird too, no man wants his wife dressing in a way that makes other men look at her and go, man, she's a little free. You get my drift? It's dishonoring, and that's one of the things that he was talking about. We don't understand how the veil would dishonor and be dismodest, but it was. Just like they wouldn't understand an iPod today. But it is what it is on that. It shows honor and respect. God says this, man, honor the authorities in your life. Authority in human terms is not about superiority. It's about leadership. Did you get that? See, here's where we get mixed up. You know, men like to, to hear they're the leaders of the home, don't we? How many of you men like to hear that? Don't look at your wife's, I mean, good grief. Can I, honey, can I? If you're asking your wife if you can raise your hand, you are not the leader of your home. You hear that on the internet? <laughs> Leadership in the human terms is not about superiority, okay? It, it's, about, it's about leadership. It's about order. An orchestra... It's made up of a lot of different instruments. Wayne, in a big orchestra, how many instruments might there be? Okay, you have 30 or 40 instruments, very expensive instruments, many of them. You, you get to a top-line orchestra, you've got great musicians. But you know what? If they don't want to follow the conductor, all you got is noise, correct? And for an for a, a orchestra to be great, you've got to have not only great musicians, but you've got to have musicians who are willing to follow the conductor. And that's what God's saying here. One of the problems in Corinth, and he's reminding them, and it has to do with this veil, but when he talks to them about head and, and leadership, he's saying, you need to follow the people in your life who are your leaders. We still don't like that 2,000 years later. I read a testimony from a young man who left Christianity and went into the Wiccan religion. And he was asked, his new name was Morning Hawk Apollo. Now, if you could rename yourself, would you, Morning Hawk Apollo, be the name you'd give yourself? I mean, answering the phone, good morning, this is Morning Hawk, can I help you? I mean, just having to spell that out on a check. I mean, I guess you just M Apollo after a while. But Morning Hawk Apollo was asked, 
why did you leave Christianity? And his answer was, uh, was chilling. He said, Christianity is about submission. It's about having to submit to other people. It's about having to submit to God. Wiccan is about you first and foremost, and you don't submit to anybody. You run the show. You know, there are people in churches all over America, certainly not in this room tonight, but all over America and in our world, who that's their philosophy. I don't want to submit to anybody. You know, there's a great old saying, if you can't can't follow, you can't lead. I believe that with all my heart. If you're not a good follower, you better never try to be a leader because you're not worth following. Dads, you want your wife to follow you. You're too big of a coward to raise your hand and admit it here, but you do. How well do you follow the leadership in your life? See, 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 men, if your kids and your wife, they hear you talk about how dumb the teachers are, how dumb the coaches are, how dumb the ministers are, I'm not that, you know, that policeman, I, he's not going to make me pay that ticket. Why do you think they're going to want to follow you? And, and ladies, I don't mean to kick you, but if you are disrespecting your husband and you're not honoring him, men, listen, we got such fragile egos, we have to be respected. That's what builds us up. And if you don't respect us and honor us, what are you saying to your kids? You're teaching your daughters the same thing. You're teaching your sons the same thing. And again, all of us, it, all of us are under authority and leadership. You, you don't believe me, drive 80 all the way home tonight and then circle the town a few times going 80. At some point, you will be under authority, won't you? <laughs> you may be in a rubber room with handcuffs on all night, but you will be under authority. You struggle with being under authority. You know what? I want to tell you a little dirty secret. It's not about them. It's about you or me. Is there bad leaders? Absolutely. Follow the leadership, and if you need to get new leadership, get new leadership. But follow the people that God's put in your life. I'm not telling you to go get a new husband. You pray for him to be a better husband. Men, you, you set the example. You follow the leader. Young people, follow your parents. Follow your coaches. Follow your teachers. Follow our government officials. You know, the Bible even says you're supposed to follow your ministers, God forbid. One of the big problems in Corinth, it, listen, it wasn't about long hair and short hair. Ultimately, those were, the, those were the methodological problems. The principles were is they were self-centered. It was all about them. And one thing God wanted to get across to those people was to do it right, was to be submissive to the leadership that God's put in your life. I want to read to you something. Judy Futch sent this to me. Judy, you sent this to me about four years ago. Many of you have seen this. It's about the four worms and four cans. And I think it applies tonight. A preacher got four cans on stage at the beginning of a sermon. And in one can, you remember this, Judy? In one can, he put alcohol. And he dropped a worm in there. That was the happy worm. You'll get it later. 
The second worm he put in there with cigarettes. I don't know if he got a, you know, how he did that, but he did it. The third worm, third worm was put into a container of chocolate syrup. Now, that's, that may not be heaven, but that's paradise. And the fourth worm was put into a container of good, clean soil. And he preached his sermon for 30 minutes. At the conclusion of the sermon, he said, I want to prove my point to you. So he opens the container that the, the worm put in there with alcohol was put in, and it's dead. He opens the container the worm was put in with cigarette smoke, and it was dead. You see the point he's trying to get across? He opens the, the, uh, the worm, the container with chocolate syrup, and the, way, the, the, the worms gained 10 pounds, but it's dead. And then he opens the container with a worm in there with good soil, and it's, it's alive and it's thriving. And You understand what he's trying to get across, don't you? And he makes a terrible mistake. He says... Would someone here like to explain this illustration? And an elderly lady, sweet little lady in the back of the room named Maxine raised her hand and she said, I will, preacher. Their version of Josh got a microphone to Maxine. And she said, as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. (laughs) If you did not laugh, come by later, I'll retell that to you. How many of you agree Maxine missed it? Okay, you missed 1 Corinthians 11 if you think it was really talking ultimately about that we need to cover the ladies' heads with John Deere hats when they come in the church house, okay? You you missed it if you think that it primarily meant men need to have a burr cut to please God, okay? Because those those were cultural issues then. The principles were that you and I sacrifice sometimes our freedom for the benefit of the cause of God and other people. The principle is about that we need to be submissive and honor the leaderships in our lives first and foremost. I want to ask you tonight, what do you need to do with with the Lord this evening? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. Why don't you come in just a moment? When we give the invitation and give your life to Christ. Maybe you'd like to join our church family or our Christian. Maybe tonight God's spoken to your heart and there's something that you need to repent of. Something, some issue that you need to get right with him. I want to ask you to stand. And as God leads us, God leads you. You come this evening.